You're listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, where it's all about helping you grow your Denver real estate portfolio. Here's your host, Chris Lopez. Hey everyone, Chris Lopez here, and welcome to another deal analysis episode. Today, we'll be talking about an eight unit apartment building here in Denver with a long-term value add play. And I got my co-host today and business partner, Preston Newberry. Preston, how's it going? Going great, Chris. Thanks for having me on. I'm really looking forward to digging into this one. This was one of uh, one of the fun ones we did last year, and uh, so much data and great location. And uh, you know, I think as you'll see as we go through the slides, there's a lot of really good upside here in this one. So it's going to be a really good long term uh, long term property for our clients. Yeah, this this was a great one. All right, so getting the details here. Uh, as we said earlier, it's an eight unit apartment building, uh, not too far from Denver University. Now six. Out of the eight units had been updated uh, in the last few years. Uh, two of the units had not been. But it is great construction, uh, all brick, so it should be very longer-term low maintenance. And where we saw the value uh, upside was is that because uh, two units could be turned and updated and increase market rents, some of the current leases were below market rents. There was also uh, uh, seven storage units and eight parking spaces. Neither of those were being charged either as additional rent or in addition to the rent on those. And plus, it was just being mismanaged. So lots of things here for if someone spends the next year just taking care of some of these issues, getting better management in place, updating these units, updating the rents, uh, the leases as they turn. A really great way to increase cash flow and also increase the value of the property. Since this is a commercial property, five units or more, uh, it's mostly valued on the income approach. So the more income the property brings in, the better value or the higher the value it is. And these are some repeat clients we worked with on this property. And one of their main goals was not having the best cash flow right now, but is actually buying in some really high quality locations around Denver. Like, hey, great, the property will cash flow now, but they just want a great place to park their money. If they could find one of these value-add plays, they wanted it as well. And this met the criteria. So we were really happy to uh, get this deal in contract. And this property came off of, oh, I don't know, was it MLS or Loop that pressed? It was, it was one of those, right? Uh, it was on both. We found it on both. But okay. yeah, it did come off the MLS. Now, what do you say to people when they go out there and say, oh, well, you know, anything on LoopNet is trash? Because I've heard that like 3,000 times. What do you say? We, hear that, we hear that a lot. And the majority uh, of stuff you kind of see on LoopNet is usually not uh, not updated or they don't keep a lot of the records in there. But, um, you know, there still are deals to be found on LoopNet. So whenever we're looking for commercial stuff, that's always one of the places that we'll look and scour and, um, you know, see if there's anything worthwhile to check out on, on LoopNet. Yeah. And I mean, that's a great thing to keep in mind out there is there's no one best source. Other than, hey, you go out there, you look here, you look there, you talk to this person, you look there. And that usually leads to finding uh, a deal that meets our criteria. So getting a few more details here. Um, so it's an eight unit and they're all studio apartments. And we said it's in the Uni University Park neighborhood, not too far from DU. Now it was listed at $1.32 million dollars. And then we ended up getting it for about $1.262 million. So I don't know, dollars or $50,000 uh, below list price. And again, the reasons we liked it, we already talked about you know, location, location, location. This is just a great location in Denver. And based on the location and the quality of the construction on here, 
uh, it's definitely uh, is a le- could be a legacy asset. A leg- yeah, legacy asset is one that hey, you just buy, hold on to, and hold on to for retirement. Maybe pass it down to your kids just because it's such a great property. And of course, there's value add upside there. So just overall, a wonderful property. And one of the things too, and this is such a big difference on, I mean, all transactions, but especially on you know the the bigger stuff. Uh, is the type of agents and sellers you work with. Now, of course, you get you get across the board here, but Preston, talk about the professionalism, the seller, and the agent on the other side of this transaction. Yeah, this was something that uh, was really, really good about this transaction and something I enjoyed is that both uh, the listing agent and the seller were experienced in what they were doing. They uh, knew the multifamily space really well, and they were just very cooperative and easy to work with. Um, and it made you know uh, negotiations and just all the, the things we go through in a transaction like this um, a lot easier to deal with. And that's always worth, you know, time is worth money. And so when we're able to work with people that are uh, easy to work with, it definitely helps uh, helps everyone through the process. So why don't you walk us through the uh, details of the contract? Absolutely. So uh, as Chris said, we found this property um, on the MLS and, uh, you know, we kind of started searching around for some stuff. For our clients reached out to, you know, our network and, um, you know, we did come across this one in the MLS. So uh, I'd been on the market for over 200 days. Um, and I think one of the big reasons it'd been on the market is, uh, you know, it was just overpriced. So, um, you know, got a hold of uh, the listing agent, uh, went and walked the property. Uh, and we all kind of, you know, sat down and crunched the numbers and, and found a, a price that would work for everybody and, and got it under contract. So um, that was the other nice thing about working with these guys is, you know, it all just comes down to the numbers and what, what the property does, how it performs. And as Chris said, that's how you value the commercial property. So um, once we got under contract, uh, obviously uh, went to the inspection time. Uh, and the other nice thing is this property was, you know, kind of a 1950s brick, uh, really, really solid property. And, you know, most of the units have been updated. So that took care of a lot of issues that we could have come across. Uh, there were some minor electrical and plumbing things, nothing crazy. Uh, roof needed a little spot repair. One of the windows was broken uh, and a small sewer issue. So uh, all in all, for a big property like this, there really weren't any major, major issues. So uh, again, working with a really cooperative seller, they were uh, super good to, to us as far as how uh, we were negotiate the inspection items. Um, they took care of the plumbing and electrical stuff, made a few roof repairs and got a certification for us even went in and replaced the window. And on top of that, gave us a credit for the sewer repair. So our clients could go in and take care of that at a later date after closing. And something to note about the seller here is this uh, seller, you know, he owns hundreds and hundreds of units, uh, just not in this part of Denver. And so part of the reason he was selling his property was not because it was a bad property, not because it was in bad shape, but because it was too small for him and outside of his geographic location. And so it's just, one of those things that just didn't fit his portfolio. And that's why it kind of been mismanaged, one's got a lot of attention, and he was just looking to, to sell it. So it was a really good property. And just one of those interesting things where you always want people often ask us, hey, why is the seller selling this? Sometimes we know, sometimes we don't. And usually has no impact on why we're buying the property. But it's, you know, a lot of times we go, oh, well, it's a distressed seller. Oh, man, they're only, they're only selling it if it's a bad property. No, not necessarily. This guy has hundreds and hundreds of units. It was just that this property was outside of what his normal, uh, you know, what he wanted to keep in his portfolio. And therefore, he was just getting rid of that one and getting more properties that fit his current mold. So talking about some financing here, uh, we went with one of our, our favorite local credit unions. Uh, they've got 
great rates and, and just some great terms. So since it, this is a, a value add play, which will probably take a you know 12 to 18 months to really get it up and running and having some operating data to go out there and get a refinance in there, they chose to go with a shorter loan. So they did a 3-1 arm. So it, uh, the interest rate's fixed for three years but it's amortized over three years. So the plan is within that three years, they can get everything up and running, uh, bring it up to market rent, uh, have enough operating data for you know six months, so then go out there and then get a non-recourse loan in place to get a longer-term finance, uh, longer-term financing in place and possibly also take out some cash as well. The appraisal, when it happened, it came in at above the price we got for, which was great. And as Preston mentioned, we got about $5,000 in seller concessions for the sewer. Uh, and since this was commercial loan, no PMI and no interest rate buy down. So what we're going to walk you through now is a couple of screenshots of some spreadsheets. And so we're actually going to do the actual numbers as for when we bought it. And we'll go through two scenarios for some different performer numbers. And the performer number is what we expect uh, to get in rent and to update some things. So we'll talk through these. Uh, if you have a hard time following click on the link in the show notes and go to the deal analysis parts of the website and find the blog. All those will be typed out. All the screenshots will be there as well. So you can see those and review those in detail as well, because we'll go through a lot more numbers than usual. And it's some really good stuff. Uh, and for this, we are using Joe Massey's rental spreadsheet. Now, as we often tell clients, his spreadsheet's designed for properties that are four units and less. It actually works perfectly fine for bigger properties. Other than, you know, sometimes you get an error saying, hey, that loan amount's too big or we can't do that. That's just a spreadsheet automatic programming for doing residential loans. Uh, but it definitely works for doing these bigger properties. And we often use a more advanced spreadsheet from CCIM to do a more detailed analysis. Uh, but that thing is a beast. And we'd probably put you to sleep while you're driving if we try to explain that to you over a podcast. So we'll keep it simple. But most importantly, we'll be able to talk about the important numbers on here. So the down payment percentage, they put down 25%. Purchase price of $1,262,500. They're about $16,000, about $17,000 in acquisition cost. And they had a $5,000 seller credit for the sewer. So all in, uh, the buyers were in there for about $327,000. Now, their interest rate on this property was at 3.625%. So a nice low interest rate over that three-year arm. Now, the current rent... If you're looking at this to, uh, with us, unit one has all eight units in there. Uh, so we are all eight rental units in there combined, and they're currently bringing about $7,735. Now, there are two vacant units, but we went in there and just assumed, you know, average written there so we could see what they were like. And then uh, all the units were being charged $50 a month in rubs, so an extra $400 a month. So the gross income on here was $8,135. So we put in a factor of, or a vacancy factor of 5%. That's kind of the go-to number here in Denver to use for uh, multi-buildings. So 5% is uh, the common number you'll see. Now going over the operating data, uh, they are using property management. So we put an 8% on here. Now our preferred property manager charges 7%. So we add up another 1% to help cover some of the cost on there for turnover and some other fees. Now, on the spreadsheet here for Joe, we put zero in his repairs or maintenance. 
not because we don't have repairs or maintenance, but because we put them below in the additional annual expenses. So for those, we separate out the estimated repairs per unit per year. And this is just the stuff that breaks throughout the year, like the non-CapEx expenses. So we put that in $800 per door or $6,400 a year. And then for reserves, we put in $150 per unit per year for about $1,200 a year. And so that is for the longer-term capital expenditure items, you know, roof, windows, that type of thing. So going through the other stuff, taxes are about $6,100 a year. Property insurance is about $4,100 a year. Water and sewer is $1,800. Uh, trash was $1,750. Electric is about $3,500. And then there's, you know, only one meter for electric and gas. So the landlord's paying for everything. And then we're budgeting about $1,000 a year for, you know, basic landscaping and then doing some snow removal. So you can see here, uh, you know, we got all the numbers plugged in here. Now let's talk about what that, uh, what, what they are as far as like re uh, returns wise. So the annual cash flow is $7,261 a year. So that's once you take the rents. Minus the expenses, minus mortgage payment, you're left about $7,200 a year. Now, in terms of a cash on cash return, it's a 2.2% cash on cash return and a 4.7 cap rate. So, Preston, if you knew nothing else about this property other than said, hey, we bought a 4.7 cap rate uh, near DU, what would your response be? I don't think I'd be super excited about it, Chris. I mean, I know we see, uh, see some stuff in the better areas of town or, or nicer up and coming areas that have you know, some lower cap rates, but, you know, usually anything sub five is not something we love to get excited about. So that's what made this property really interesting to us was uh, the stuff we're going to go through next as far as uh, kind of the, the potential upside and, and the performer numbers. But looking at a 4.7 cap with 2.2% cash on cash is not something many of our clients would get real excited about. And this is one of the reasons why you can't just, you know, do a quick cap rate calculation or just look at the offering memorandum from sellers or other agents and say, oh, no, this is junk. You have to dig in the numbers because a lot of times they are junk, but other times like, oh, wow, there's something here. And if you get the numbers right and you come up with a strategy, it can be a really good play. So the plan here for this property, and like I said, just to give everyone the big picture again, they bought this property on a, a three-year loan with a plan on doing all these updates. Once these updates are done, the property is stabilized. They got enough operating data to go out there then get a, a non-recourse loan. And as a loan, it's a non-personal guarantee. They can hopefully get a longer term, you know, five-year, seven-year, 10-year rate, but also maybe pull out some cash as well to help them go out there and buy some more properties. So the plan here is to update the two, two units to bring them to market rent. So they'll probably be about $7,500 a month per unit. And it's mostly or $7,500 per unit to rehab it. And that's mostly just your typical cosmetic stuff. Like I said, some of the leases were below current market rent. So as leases expire, you need to bring them up to market rent. And depending on the time of year you bring them up, it should be they should be bringing about $1,050 to $1,100 a month. $1,100 a month. The current utility billback system is low. As we said earlier, uh, the current the previous owner was charging fifty dollars per unit um, per month, but they think they can charge about hundred dollars per unit per month. And then there are eight parking spaces, and so none of these were being rented out. And so we had estimated about twenty five dollars a month. And then once our property manager came in here, she said about fifty dollars per month. And then there are also seven storage units. And again, none of them are being charged rent for people to use them. So we estimate about $25 a month, and our property manager estimated about $35 a month. 
So you'll notice there, there are definitely some ranges on there. And this is just how performers go. Like we never know exactly how much rent or how much this is going to cost, or how much things will bring in. So we like to kind of try to do a conservative and a optimistic range on here so we can kind of get an idea. Hey, hopefully it should be somewhere in between here. So we'll talk about both these numbers here. But for this next spreadsheet, we plugged in the lower end of these. So that way we could go through and discuss the conservative pro forma. And then we'll talk numbers on the more optimistic pro forma and discuss how that plays out. So again, we kept the exact same data in here uh, for you know acquisition costs, buying a property, interest rate, all that stuff. Except now we put in the conservative pro forma numbers here for the rental units. So assuming uh, you know units are getting towards that better market rent, it should be around seven thousand nine hundred sixty dollars, about six hundred dollars in utility bill back, and then two hundred dollars in parking and $175 in storage. So altogether, that'll be a total rent rental income about $8,935. Kept the same vacancy factor of 5% in there. Kept all the same operating data because that really shouldn't change uh, as we go out there and look at this. So all the same operating data earlier. But now, it about doubles the cash flow to about $15,600 a year. Gives us a 4.8% cash on cash return and gives us a 5.3 cap rate. Now, 5.3 cap rates, a little better looking, isn't it, Preston? That's much better looking than what we would typically expect to see um, in an area like this with a, a property very similar to this. So, um, you know, I think just getting the property stabilized and managed correctly is going to be a huge, huge upside for our clients. Uh, and knowing, you know, that uh, it's pretty easy to get all that done and they can probably take care of that, you know, as the leases all turn over here in the next uh, six to eight months. And, you know, that's going to be something really good for those guys. And so, as I said, that's the, the conservative pro forma. Again, we can't guarantee it, but based off everything we looked at, based off our property manager, you know, walking the property and looking at it, uh, we feel like this is the lower end of what we can hope to expect, you know, six months to a year from now. Now, if we go to the more optimistic pro forma, so, you know, the higher side of the rent, the higher side of charging for parking spaces and storage units, it actually comes out to a 6.3 cap rate with about $27,000 a year in cash flow. So the high side we're seeing a 6.3 cap rate, the low side we're seeing a 5.3 cap rate. Preston, what does your crystal ball say? Where will it fall? My crystal ball says this will be probably right around a six cap by the time everything shakes out and they get it all done. I think you know 5.8 to six cap is very realistic for these guys, especially knowing, again, the location. Location is key for this property. Yeah, and that's kind of what I'm thinking too. You know, probably a high five, uh, six cap rate being realistic. Um, again, we always like to try to give you know realistic numbers, um, so that way people have realistic expectations. And so, do we honestly know what it is? No, we won't. And you know, a year from now, we will know what it is. Um, so hopefully, it's, it should be somewhere between a five point three and a six point three cap rate. Hopefully, more towards that six cap rate end. So even let's say kind of the worst case scenario here. This ends up being a 5.3 cap rate, you know, property that they buy instead. Um, on the lower side, you know, just because it's based on location, it's still a great long-term asset to own. Yeah, it'll be less cash flow per year, but it's still a cash flow positive property that's required low maintenance in a great part of town. Now, kind of second piece to here, uh, I know a lot of our listeners out there know what the Burr strategy is, the buy, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat. 
You can never say that thing too fast to make sure you get it all right. But it's a strategy that a lot of people talk about with single family homes. They buy a property very quickly. They do it. And within six months, we're pulling money out. Uh, now, if you're doing apartment buildings, it's definitely a much, a lot of times you, it's much more common to see a delayed burr is what we call it. And delayed burr, hey, it might take 18 months. It might take that long from beginning, you know, from closing this to closing a refinance. Because even if they got all this work done, let's say in one year, hey, uh, a year from they bought it, they got all this work done, new tenants in place, everything's dialed in. Well, to go out there to a lender and say, hey, we're going to refinance this, we're going to pull out some cash. They say, hey, we're going to want to see some historical operating data. And usually they like to see, you know, three months minimum of stabilized, a lot of times longer. So it might take realistically about 18 months, maybe a little bit less, maybe a little bit longer to actually get to the other end of closing where they can refinance and potentially pull money out of here. So like I said, the components of this longer uh, longer piece here is to still have a cash flowing property, to then put this onto a non-recourse loan. So that's something where they are not personally guaranteeing it. So if Preston goes out there and buys a house act to live in or whatever, you know, goes by as a rental property, I should say, a single family home, uh, they're underwriting the property, but Preston, he also has to personally guarantee it. If he, st if he stops paying the rents on there, they're going to come after him. Now, on a non-recourse loan, the owner um, is not personally guaranteeing the property, meaning that if the payments are not being made, well, they can only go after the asset. They can't go after the person behind it. So in order to underwrite a non-recourse loan on a property, there's a lot tighter underwriting guidelines because they can only get the property, not the person who owns it. So they want to see a lot more operating data and some much, much more thorough underwriting. Uh, so they want to do a non-recourse loan on there. And that way they're not personally guaranteeing it. And then it'll be over a 30-year amortization. And they're hoping to do, you know, a seven or 10-year fixed interest rate. So right now that's, you know, in the high threes to low fours. In a year from now, you know, we'll see what it is in a year from now. But right now it's some great rates. But here's the really cool thing. Since this is an income property that's more than five units and above, if they increase the net operating income, they increase the NOI. Uh, that's how they usually evaluate the properties. And they still have to look at, you know, what other properties are selling for relative to their own NOI. But a lot of times they come up with a cap rate for that area. So, you know, a low five cap rate is about to go in cap rate in that area. So assuming that type of cap rate in the future, if they can increase the cash flow to a 27,000 year cash flow or a 6.3 cap rate based off their purchase price, uh, they'll be able to pull anywhere out from about 100,000 to $225,000. So $100,000 is on the lower side of our pro forma, about $225,000 on the higher side of our pro forma. So Preston, now if you look at that, what, 4.8 cap rate that we bought it for, now we're talking about in a year and a half having a, a six-year cap rate in a great part of town, strong cash flow, and then maybe pulling out $150,000. Different story there, huh? That kind of looks like a home run, if you'd ask me, Chris. I think, uh, you know, the potential website here, obviously, you know, we have a crystal ball that we would like to look into, but we don't know for sure what the future is going to hold. But I think there's a, a really good chance that this property is going to end up performing much better than uh, every, everyone originally thought. And the other nice thing about this area is there's a lot of development happening over there. So there's a pretty good chance that, you know, rents are going to keep creeping up, maybe even higher than kind of what our in standard uh, Denver market is looking like just because of the location. So, you know, there's so many good things happening over there. I'm really excited to see how this plays out in, you know, 12 or 18 months. Yeah. And even like worst case scenario, they can't pull out money. This is still a great worst case scenario. They own a great asset. Oh, they can't pull out cash. But better case scenario, they pull out 200, you know, they pull out a quarter million dollars. 
I mean, that's a hefty down payment to go out there and buy a fourplex or get your money to go out there and buy another eight or 10 unit property out there. And this is where we often talk to, you know, potential clients or I talk to a lot of people coming through the website and the podcast like, oh, I want to do the strategy. I'm like, great. Shift your focus back a little bit. Like if you have a little bit, a little bit more patience and longer term perspective, and I'd call this a medium term play, you know, this is a, a year, you know, say 18 months. And that's, a, that's really not that long in the grand scheme of things. You not turn the property around in 18 weeks, but in 18 months, you can go out there and have a great asset, pull out some cash, go out there and repeat it. And just think if they can save up some more money, then every two or three years, buy another property like this and repeat it. You do that three or four times. I mean, your, your great grandkids college is paid for no matter how much that inflates to in, you know, 80 years. Like it's a great play here. So I just want to really emphasize that because as you're looking at real estate deals, always look at that longer term play, have the patience because there's a lot more opportunity out there. It's a lot safer. And if you just play that long game, there's tons of opportunities out there. And it's a great plan to go out there and help build your retirement income. Preston, any final thoughts in here before we wrap this up? No, I think that pretty much covers it, Chris. This was a really fun um, property to, to work on and, and get our clients under contract and, and to the closing table. And I, like I said, I'm really looking forward to seeing how this uh, works out uh, over the next 12, 18, 24 months. Yeah. All right, everyone. Well, thank you for listening. And Preston, thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Chris.